0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 211. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm pretty good. This week on the show we'll be talking about the Tribeca Film Festival, because that's all I did this week. Lots okay. of Tribeca stuff. Got some, some good stuff, some bad stuff, some meh stuff. So I'll be kind of going everything. over everything I saw this year. Uh, we'll also be talking about some of other, some of what we've been watching in the watch list. My, basically what we're going to do this episode is, uh, just going to make it one big watch list since, uh, all I did this week was Tribeca stuff. So I'm just going to kind of cover all of that stuff. You saw a couple things that are, that we're screening at Tribeca, some of the short films. So we're just going to do one giant watch list this week and, uh, hopefully you, you guys will get some, uh new movies that you can put on your watch lists to to look out for that will hopefully be coming out this year. And I'll give my brief thoughts on everything. Uh, We'll also be going over some movie predictions, new on video on a man, Blu-ray releases. First up, let's go over some movie news. Uh, First, the first little stupid throwaway thing that I saw was that New Line is developing a Three's Company movie. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know the answer to this, Kevin. I, I don't know what to tell you as far as why they're developing a Three's Company movie. Because the, the whole premise of Three's Company, if you remember correctly, was that it was two single women looking for a roommate. But it was kind of a faux pas to have a single guy be a roommate. So he had to pretend to be gay. And that was the whole premise of the show. That he was, that every time the, the landlord or somebody came over, he had to pretend to be gay to justify them having a male roommate. Yeah. How definitely. is that going to work in 2016? Oh my goodness. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about this. This is, that's terrible.
1: It's terrible. It's a terrible idea. Once again, yeah. they no original thoughts whatsoever.
0: Apparently not.
1: But the interesting thing too is like the things that they decide to to pick, you know, to like reboot or whatever it is. Even those just don't make any sense. Like there's yeah, it's like the worst stuff. stuff. There. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff out there that they could do that would kind of make sense. You still wouldn't want to see it, but it it would make sense. But this d- doesn't. It just
0: what, doesn't. What about a welcome back, Cotter movie? There you go. I mean, yeah, you know, they made <laughs> they made a Twenty One Jump Street movie. And but the way that they did it was was different. I I kind of liked that. You know, they 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 put an interesting spin on it. Yeah. The Three's Company. Ah, just don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna make that work. And like the Brady Bunch movies, another example where they made it kind of a spoof. They made it kind of a almost darkly comedic uh, spoof of the show. And same with uh, the Adams Family. Did that too. Yeah, but with those, I just I just don't understand what you're gonna do with Three's Company because if you make it modern, then the whole premise is pointless. So what are you gonna do? Are you just gonna have it be about two two single females and a and a single dude being roommates? Because that's like what's what's interesting about that. What's different? Yeah,
1: nothing's interesting about that at all.
0: What's the hook? I don't know. It's uh. Just a bad idea. This is very, very early stages. There's no script or anything for this yet, so <laughs> we probably won't be hearing about this for quite a long time, if ever. Again, that's my, so. th- again, that's my favorite part of it, too.
1: <laughs> so they Just like throw it out, but they have nothing. <laughs> They're just like, we're going we're gonna to make we're this. We're thinking
0: about doing it, guys. Just getting it out there. Uh, yeah. So probably the one of the biggest pieces of news this week was that Prince passed away. It was really, really sad. Sad news that came Uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, I know. Uh, Were you, were you a fan of Prince? Were you a big Prince fan? Uh,
1: I can actually, because I thought about this
0: when Prince passed away.
1: Um, I've never actively listened to Prince ever. I think I know like
0: one song, and I know like I don't Uh, even think I know the whole
1: song. I just
0: never. I never. I'm right there with you. I honestly never got into Prince. Now, obviously, I love the Batman soundtrack, the 1989, the Burton Batman soundtrack, which he did that. I
1: just just reading the stories about him. He seems like the coolest person that's ever lived. Yeah,
0: that's from what I understand. Yeah, that's what I read. too. Like every single story of him is like absolutely amazing. I was going to try to watch Purple Rain this week because I never saw it. But I didn't. I didn't get a chance to. I just didn't. Wasn't able to find the time. But I may. I may try to still squeeze it in at some point. I have the Purple Rain vinyl, but I honestly have never listened to it. Really? Yeah. I have it on vinyl, but I never put it on. I just. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I just wasn't that into his music. Just never got into it. I see. I, and I don't even
1: know, to be honest. Like I can't even say if I'm into his music or not. I've, I've never really listened to it.
0: I uh, I bet there's like some of his some of his bigger songs when you hear them. Oh, I mean, I'm it's sure. Probably one of those deals where you didn't realize it was a Prince song.
1: Because the only one that I can name is uh, "When Doves Cry." Mm. If they, even the even if that's even the title of the song, that sounds I, pretty cool though. I like that song.
0: Yeah. Uh, Doris Roberts also passed away this week, which was yeah. also kind of a shock. F- f- mostly because I had no idea she was 90 years old.
1: Yes. I mean, that, that was
0: the most surprising part of that. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that she was that old. She did not look even close to that age. But yeah, that's uh, some very sad news. Also, Patton Oswald's wife passed away this week, too. Yeah. So definitely, definitely it's, a rough week.
1: And it seems like every week's a it r- doesn't it? Yeah,
0: 2016 has been really, really bad as far as celebrities passing away, for sure. <laughs> uh, on a lighter note, we have some trailers this week, Warcraft got a new trailer oh, I'll still go see it uh, it, it looks, the, the CG's really not doing it for me now, I understand that there's really no other way to create this world but the CG doesn't look great to me, however, this isn't a trailer and it very well may look a lot better in the actual movie but I'll go see it either way I the the real seller for me is the fact that Duncan Jones is directing it. Yeah. I like Duncan Jones' movies and I I think that he he has a really interesting vision with his movies and I'm hoping that they gave him some kind of uh leeway as far as the Warcraft movie and allowed him to do what he wanted to. So, I guess we'll see. The new trailer looks decent. It's similar to the first trailer. Uh there's a movie called Guardians that got a trailer and this this one piqued my interest because it's a russian superhero movie and it looks absolutely ridiculous and it doesn't have a u.s release date but oh my god they have to release it over here there's like uh there's like a man bear there's like a man bear character i saw, I saw the picture of that
1: <laughs> my first thought is i'm in yeah i don't need i don't need to watch the trailer you got a man bear i'm
0: in it is a subtitle trailer, so you can att- attempt to understand what's going on with it. He even meets subtitles though when it's a man bear. There, yeah, you don't really that need bear man. And the CG looks absolutely awful in it, but <laughs> but hey, I'll still go see it. It lo- it looks fun. Uh, the Magnificent Seven got a trailer. This is the remake, obviously. Uh, I gotta say, this was a pretty good trailer. I had no interest. In this movie, to begin with, but after seeing this trailer, I was like, "All right, you you guys sold me on it. I'll go. I'll go check it out." Never saw the original, so I'll probably have to do that before I see this one, or else I'll just feel like a total dick. <laughs> eh, it's okay. the The movie, the original. No, I haven't seen the original. I don't think. Are oh, you saying it's okay as in the trailer? Yeah. Part? Well, no, it's okay if you don't see the original. Oh, oh, you can see this one. That's all right. I feel like it's necessary no in this case. No one's keeping track. Yeah, I guess. I mean I did see Seven Samurai, so it's <laughs> See? You got that one off the list. It, it's a, a, it's the, a sent, the original one's a remake of Seven Samurai, so <laughs> yeah. it's pretty yeah. much the same thing. Yeah. Um we also have The Girl on the Train. This is kind of a Hitchcockian thriller.
2: Uh oh.
0: With Emily Blunt. Looks pretty looks pretty good. It also had a poster release this weekend. The poster looks really cool, too.
1: I am a fan of that poster.
0: Yeah. So I'm definitely interested in that one. Independence Day Resurgence got a new trailer. I didn't even watch it because <laughs> who cares? And mm. finally, The Ring versus The Grudge got a trailer. Yes. The Ring versus The Grudge. You know, this started off as an April Fool's joke. Somebody made a right. fake trailer. And it was so popular, and people wanted this to happen so bad that they were like, all right, why not? And they made it. <laughs> See, that's amazing. Yeah. That's how you do it. That uh, is how you do it. You don't you do not do like, hey, guys, remember Three's Company? You want that, right? We're going to do it for you because cause you wanted it. Nobody asked for Three's Company. Everybody asked for The Ring versus The Grudge.
1: Maybe that's just how they're doing it now. They just throw ideas out, you know, they don't have a script, nothing. They just throw it out, everyone's like, This is a terrible idea. And they're like, hey, scrap that. We're not gonna make that movie anymore.
0: We'll just keep we'll keep trotting new ones out until someone's like, Yeah, I'd watch that. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, The Ring versus the Grudge looks awesome and I can't wait to see that one. No US release date on that one yet. The trailer is not subtitled, but it's there's not a whole lot of dialogue <laughs> in it anyway. So it, it's mostly just creepy stuff. All you need to know is it's the ring versus
1: the grudge.
0: I like the idea. I I can almost guarantee the movie's going to be terrible, but either way, uh, I'll still be seeing it because I am a fan of both of those. It's one of movies. those ideas that's so stupid. Yeah. That it's great. Because you know, I I have a feeling they're going to fight. <laughs> like, I have a feeling that the long-haired... Ring person and the little kid from the grudge are they're gonna actually fight, I bet. And,
1: and I wanna gonna, I just wanna gonna, see that.
0: You're gonna find
1: out that they have <laughs> like superpowers that we didn't know of. Yeah. They're shooting lightning and
0: shit. It's gonna be awesome. It's probably gonna be ridiculous. So In
1: the best way possible.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's uh start our Tribeca stuff with uh the jury the jury winners and the uh, the audience award winners for Tribeca have been announced uh I can just go over these fairly quickly cuz there's not not a whole they don't give out like 8 million awards or anything. Um for the jury, let me pull these up here. For the jury prize, uh we have the Founders Award for Best Narrative Feature that went to Dimitri Martins Dean. Uh let's see. Best Actor went to Dominic Reigns for The Fixer. Best Actress went to Mackenzie Davis for Always Shine, and all these movies. I'm going to talk about a lot of these movies in just a few minutes. Uh, Cinematography went to Michael Regan for Kicks. Best Screenplay went to Women Who Kill. Let's see, International. The International Narrative Feature went to Junction 48. Best Actor went to... This is International. best Best Actor in an International Film went to Alan Sabog for The Tenth Man. Actress in an International went to... Rahika Apt, uh, what is that? In Clean Shaven, A Part of Madly. I guess that was some sort of anthology film or something. I'm not <laughs> sure what that's, that's all about. International cin- Cinematography went to El Clasico. The uh, DP on that was Kjell Vazdal. International Screenplay went to Perfect Strangers. Not the, uh, that's not another classic sitcom that's getting remade into a movie. <laughs>
1: that one you should
0: do. That one you should do, with the original actors, too. Yes. Uh, Documentary went to Do Not Resist. Uh, Cinematography for Documentary went to Contemporary Color. Editing for Documentary went to Contemporary Color. Uh, And then the rest of the list, I'm not going to go through all of these, but you can check out all of the winners on the site. The Audience Awards uh, went to Here Alone. And then, uh, for the document, that was for the narrative. And then for documentary, it went to the return. The runners up for the audience awards were Midsummer in Newton and then children of the mountain. So again, you can check that list out on the site as well. Uh, let's just go, let's transition that into thoughts on the, on the festival as a whole. Uh And then we can just, and then we can just dive into, I saw 20 movies there this year. Oh boy. Uh, it started off a little rocky. Uh, the, the the ones that I started started with, I was like, oh man, I don't know. And I was looking at my list, and I'm like, ah, some of these look kind of cool, but uh, but I saw some really great stuff. So overall, very happy with with the festival. There was a lot of VR there this year. They had a, an entire floor of the um, the festival center, the hub, dedicated to VR experiences. Some of them were interactive and some of them were just straight up movies done in VR. I think there were 19 of them. So I think that that really... Because Sundance had a strong VR presence this year as well. And I think that that kind of is a sign that VR in storytelling is is definitely going to be something that we're going to see a lot more of in the coming years. Because, I mean, the the Oculus and the, the Vive our two headsets that just came out. The Gear VR is another one that's been out for a little while. And uh, the some of the, the movies that I saw, one of them was one called Invasion that was like a Pixar-esque short. Uh, it was really interesting. It was really fun. And uh, One of them was a documentary about street art. And that, that was kind of cool too because it was all done with dolly shots. And that was in a Gear VR. So you could kind of look around as they were doing these these long dolly shots in the in the um kind of the slums and that was pretty interesting how they did it and a lot of the paintings that they did um the artist who was at the center of it painted it on glass so you could kind of it was this really cool way that it was presented because it was on glass so you could see through it but you could kind of like look around behind it and stuff (laughs) uh so that was really cool um I saw one that was uh, about these volleyball players who who, um, are Olympic hopefuls. I think that they're, I don't know if they had their, their qualifying match yet, but it's very soon. And they fixed the 360 camera in the middle of the beach volleyball court. So you could kind of just look in full 360 motion as they were playing volleyball. And that was really cool. Uh, and there were there were several other ones, too. There was a horror one that was like a slasher, where you were kind of in a slasher movie. Uh, but yeah, VR definitely had a strong presence this year. And I think that we're going to see a lot of really cool stuff coming out of VR. Hmm. Are you a believer? Are you are you interested in I haven't, this new medium? I, like, I've never... like I don't really know anything
1: about it. You know what I mean? Like, I've never experienced it. I don't really have a, a grasp of what the experience entails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a bizarre, foreign thing to me. And
0: that, and that, and that's, like, a big... That's one of the big hurdles or barriers for VR is that it's impossible to describe it to someone who hasn't tried it. Like, I, I could say, oh, it's, like, the coolest thing. It's just such a unique experience. It's truly vir- virtual reality. Like, you've never experienced anything like it before. But until you actually... Put on a headset and and really try out some of these different experiences that are available. Uh, you you really don't have any kind of grasp on how cool it actually is, and I think that that's definitely going to be a hurdle. That and of course the price point of these things. Like if you want to have one in your home, the Oculus Rift is six hundred dollars, and the Vive is eight hundred, and you oh need goodness. you need a very very powerful. PC to run these things. Now, the PlayStation VR is going to be coming out later this year in October. That's going to be $400. So it's going to be more reasonable. And I think that that's going to be what a lot of people have their first kind of VR experiences on because it's going to be a lot of people have PS4s at this point and it's going to be an easier way to get into it. I mean, that's probably what I'll do because. I, I do have a gaming PC, but I would have to upgrade it in order to get a Vive or an Oculus, and I just don't want to spend the money. So, yeah, I think that. I mean, it's early days. It's they're just starting to play around with this technology, and we're we're already seeing some really really cool stuff. Like the one thing that I did was with a Vive, which is um, it, it comes with these like kind of touch these like motion controllers. You hold one in each hand, and the the game or, or experience, if you will, was like that you are scuba diving and you have to find different pieces of coral and shells and uh, sea life and, it, and kind of analyze it. So you swim and you actually like go through swimming motions and you have to like use the controllers to pick up these objects. And it was just so immersive, even though the game itself didn't look great like the graphics were really low res and it just it didn't look like uh like a modern video game it looked like something out of 2005 or something but oh, really? but it was still really an immersive experience like you felt like you were underwater swimming through and and trying to find these like you know sea creatures and stuff and it was it was just a really cool experience so getting into the movie side of things uh I started it off with Holidays, which I talked about, I believe, last week. There was a horror anthology movie. Didn't like it at all. That is available on VOD right now, so you can check that out if you'd like. Um, and go back, and you can listen to my more detailed thoughts on it. I also have a review up on the site. Did not like it, so I can't recommend that. Uh, the next one I saw was Tiger Raid. This is, uh, this is another entry in the Midnight section. Of this year's festival. I did see all of the Midnight movies. There were six of them. Uh this one I didn't I also did not like one bit. It was oh, this was like what's that? You didn't like Tiger right? Really? No, I didn't. This was oh. pro this was probably one of my least favorites of the whole oh, festival. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Uh because it's not good. It's it's pretty it's pretty crappy. So this is a directorial debut from a guy named Simon Dixon. It's about two Irish mercenaries who are in uh, Iraq, and they are tasked with kidnapping the daughter of some sort of rich. I don't know. I can't remember if he's like a diplomat or if he's someone in in the government or someone in the army or the military. But he's like a high profile target, so they're, they're tasked with kidnapping this guy's daughter, and basically the entire movie is them going to kidnap her and then conversations they have after they kidnap her while waiting for extraction essentially yeah it's there's it's very very slow most of most of the entire movie is just dialogue based like it's just them bantering with one another uh the only thing that this really has going for it is there are some strong visuals like the you, you see it in the poster they have this like black face paint that covers their eyes and it it seems like nothing nothing but a stylistic choice like there's no reason for them to really have that other than to kind of look cool but it does kind of work uh the big problem is that these two characters played by brian gleason and damian maloney are so horrible that you just want them to die within the first five minutes You're like just somebody please shoot these assholes so this movie can be over they're so horrible like they like Brian Gleason's character, he just like nonchalantly talks about raping women and murdering and people, and they're just but, such evil people that you have no empathy towards them whatsoever. Yeah, and well, that's what
1: they, because I brought it up on IMDb, and the you know the first line of the synopsis is they ride they ride a black wave of camaraderie.
0: Yeah, but it's like not like, even yeah, funny. Yeah, like the conversations they have aren't even interesting. It's they're just boring, and I yeah, I, I just couldn't get into Tiger Raid. Uh Did you wanna? Did you wanna talk about something you saw? Because I don't want it to just be. I don't, don't want to bore just you. you uh, just. I I actually I watched one uh short documentary,
1: and mostly just because when I stumbled upon it, I thought, yeah, what has happened? And the documentary is called Gift Gift of Gab. Which is a short documentary about Black Alicious. Yeah, I wanted to watch this. I saw yeah. this on the list. So, and I was thinking, and I was just actually thinking this the other day because I've been listening to Black Alicious recently. I'm like, whatever happened to Black Alicious? Whatever happened to Gift of Gap? Because my God, is he like one of the best rappers ever? Yeah, absolutely. Very, very, very underappreciated. I mean, he's just incredible. So, turns out. The number one thing that I learned is they came out with an album last year, their first one in ten years. So that's what they've been doing. Apparently, I just missed that. I saw Uh,
0: that, yeah, in the trailer for this. I saw that they came out with an album, but I didn't. I didn't go and seek it out yet. uh, I'm gonna have
1: to cop that because he still got it.
0: Uh, It's just it's real short. It's only like six, seven
1: minutes or something like that. Um, And it just kind of picks up with him. He, I guess, a couple years back, he was sick, thought he had the flu or whatever, wasn't going away, wasn't going away. He ended up going to the hospital, and here it turned out that he had kidney failure. So he's been on dialysis for all this time, and uh, I guess that's kind of what prompted him to to make a new album, because he, oddly enough, he realized that while he's on dialysis, he has nothing to do. So he just decided, oh, I guess I'll just I'll write some raps while I'm here. Yeah, you just have to sit there. Yeah, so it turns out that he, he said he'd like... 70, 75% of the album he wrote while on dialysis with him just sitting there. So it just goes over that a little bit. Um, it's actually one of those that with it only being seven minutes, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a standard doc. It's just kind of straightforward and it relies a lot on its uh, subject matter. But it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I wish this was like a lot longer. I wish this was like a full documentary because right. I want to see a full documentary of Gift of Gap. Like, please give that to me.
0: I know. I I wish I could. Uh, oddly enough, I was watching old Scribble Jam videos last night, and <laughs> I was like thinking to myself, "Man, I wish they would like make a documentary about this this time." Like, but yeah, like fall, even like catch up with some of these guys. Well, you. I mean, that would be great. Just a documentary on Quantum. Yeah,
2: would
1: be fantastic to see Black and Latif and DJ Shadow and everything.
0: That would be fan
1: Oh man! So I know. Oh, I know that DJ up.
0: Shadow has a new album coming out. Yeah, because I heard. I heard the. I guess was the intro track, and then the track with "Run the Jewels." Yes, which I love. Oh, Shadow's yes. back! He's back. Uh, I saw a movie called Here Alone. This is this was the audience award winner, which okay. definitely shows that I am definitely I'm not in line with the audience on this one. Because I, I did not really care for this movie. It wasn't horrible or anything. It's a post-apocalyptic zombie movie. I know. It's something new. Uh, it's so. directed by Rob Blackhurst. Looks gorgeous. I will give it that. It has this kind of indie sensibility to it. I mean, it's an indie movie. But it's the look of it is definitely... I would probably compare it to Maggie. You know how Maggie has this kind of washed out, gritty look to it. Uh, that's yeah. that's kind of how this one looks. I would also even compare it to um, The Battery, although this looks more artfully done than The Battery. I'm sure it had a larger budget. Uh, basically, it's about this woman who is surviving out in the woods alone after the zombie apocalypse takes place, and it cuts back and forth between her past and the present. And in her, in her past she's escaping from this this hotel where you hear gunshots and she's escaping with her husband and their child and then it'll cut to the present where her child and husband are not there so you know that something probably horrible happens to them but you don't you don't know what until towards the end uh along the way she meets up with this guy and uh his stepdaughter and they kind of team up and she begins to form a relationship with the guy and the stepdaughter gets jealous of that and tries to sabotage her and ter- terrible things happen just just awful things. Uh, it's a pretty gross movie like what she has to do to try to avoid detection by the zombies she has to kind of cover her entire body with mud and then d- drench herself in urine to try to throw off the scent uh, so it's pretty gross <laughs> But, but I just, I really just wasn't, it's really, really slow. The the payoff is not great. And I have a full review for this up on the site too. Most of these movies I'm going to talk about, we have reviews up on the site. Um, I just wasn't that into it, unfortunately. Yeah. It looks good, but it just wasn't, it didn't bring enough new to the table for me to be like oh okay I mean last year I saw a movie called The Survivalist at Tribeca and it's very similar although I would say that The, the Survivalist is it's more challenging it's one that I would recommend over Here Alone and I didn't I didn't love The Survivalist either just because it's such a dour movie yeah. that it's hard to get into um, yeah from what I'm hearing about Here Alone it,
1: it doesn't sound um, new No, I don't. I don't. I
0: don't. Yeah, I don't think that you would uh, particularly be into that one.
1: Not up my alley.
0: Uh, Let's see. I saw a movie called California. This is a coming of age. Oh boy! uh, It's not a comedy. It's got comedic elements, but it's pretty pretty much a drama. It's about this girl living in Brazil in 1984. She's uh she's like 17 and she dreams of going to California to to see her uncle. She's kind of infatuated with her uncle, who's a journalist, a music writer in California, and she has this big trip planned. But the, the trip gets canceled after her uncle has to ends up having to come back to Brazil, and it just kind of d- it deals with the typical stuff that most coming-of-age stories deal with, you know, like love and sex and friendship and growing up and finding yourself and all of that stuff, but it also kind of deals with some of the social and political issues that were happening during the time. Like, during this time, uh, I believe that Brazil was becoming a democracy, so there was kind of some uh, political strife happening in the country at the time, and then also... Uh, The AIDS crisis in the United States was, it was, well, everywhere. The global AIDS crisis was really starting to take hold. So that was an issue that was dealt with uh, as well. And it was, it was okay. I didn't, the the problem with this, and I I know that this is not the fault of the movie, the filmmakers directed by Marina Person, uh, that is that. There were a lot of movies that like this that came out recently. I mean you have girlhood, you have Mustang, you have even wetlands dealt with all of these kind of similar things, and these are all movies that came out within the last year, you know yeah, and it's, I f- it's just I feel like that it's just a we're a little bit oversaturated with these coming of age stories
1: yeah we gotta we gotta take a break for a little bit, yeah. you know what I mean
0: like let's just let's put it on a back
1: burner let's like a moratorium on it. Can't yeah. do any coming to age movies for like two years. Let's just say two years, and then we can come back to it.
0: Or at least just like you know drip feed them to us. Don't don't give us this never ending flood. <laughs> but that's what we need to do,
1: um, on on like a like an international scale with with cinemas. We've got to start rationing. Yeah, genres and narratives. Like you, you can we can we can hand them out like grants maybe. Like yeah. You, you have to, you have to like write an essay or something.
2: Propose what your
1: idea is, and if it sounds different or new, then we'll let you do it.
0: You know, it'll be it, yeah. yeah. that that's the problem with this is that it it is perfectly competent. I mean, it looks good. It's got a great soundtrack. You know, it takes place in '84, so you have like there's a lot of Bowie in this, and they play like the Smiths and New Order, and uh, it's so it's got a really solid soundtrack, and I, I love the '80s aesthetic, but at the same time it's just uh it's just not a lot that i haven't seen before so yeah. i you know i guess i'm a little i'm feeling the the malaise of these coming of age stories a, l- a little bit so but it's still a solid movie and i would i would recommend it uh keeping in the coming of age uh theme i saw kicks uh now this turned out to be one of my favorite movies at the festival okay this you weren't a big fan of Dope, if I remember correctly. No, you should see Kicks because Kicks is like Dope, but it does everything better. In every aspect, it is better. It's a movie about a a kid who he's he's growing up in. I don't know if he's growing up in like kind of the South Central Los Angeles area, but he's he's in like Southern California, and he. He's very he's very poor. He has these kind of ratty shoes and he just dreams of getting out of the situation that he's in and also getting a pair of Jordans. He wants Air Jordans so bad and he works and works and works and he finally saves up enough to get a pair and the day that he the first day that he wears them he gets jumped and he gets beat up and these this thug kind of they steal his Jordans. So the entire movie is about him and his two friends going to get back. They, they take this road trip to Oakland in order to get back his shoes. And along the way, it's, it's weird. Like you can see it in the poster where there's like an astronaut that's kind of throwing him the shoes. There's, he has these kind of fantasies uh, about seeing this astronaut come down and give him things. And so he has these like dreamlike interludes that happen throughout the movie. And he does narrate it sometimes, but the narration is actually really funny, and I didn't I didn't find it to be jarring or unnecessary. I just I thought that it really added to it. And the movie is kind of done in chapters, but rather than kind of like numbered breaks within the chapters, they're all titled after hip hop songs, yeah. which was completely unnecessary, but just an interesting stylistic choice because really the the chapter breaks they weren't really needed. It's not like something different happened in this chapter than in that chapter, but it was just a nice little added thing. And each of the, each of the songs that the chapters titled it, that chapter starts with that song playing like in the car or in the background or whatever. And it's really, it's really funny, but it's certainly not a comedy. Whereas dope, I think is targeted as a comedy. Like it's, definitely supposed to be a comedy this one is more of uh a a drama that has a lot of comedic elements to it and uh it's fantastic like i i can't speak highly enough of this movie so when when this movie comes out it's called kicks definitely see it
1: i want to see kicks
0: yeah it's and it's got a great soundtrack um the the script is just because it sounds so superficial and kind of silly you know it's about a kid who has the shoes stolen he's trying to get these shoes back but it's all done in a very metaphorical way and because he worked his ass off to get them shoes man and it's it's done in a very smart way too and i I just i loved it i thought it was great uh how about one from you
1: i watched a, a short narrative uh it's called catch a monster by michael lee uh this was about 14 15 minutes i think uh started out pretty good it's got a nice look to it a lot of utilizing a lot of soft focus and everything but the the main thing that made it work for me was how it withheld most of the information so it's about this young kid kind of um in a poor section of bolivia and um he comes across these teenagers that kind of they talk about this you know old tale this like rich guy that lives around them and how he's he's nicknamed the hunter and all these stories about what he does and who he is and no one really knows and it's all kind of like a mystery so they talk this kid into breaking into the guy's home to try and find out try and get some information you know maybe steal some things for money because he's ridiculously rich he's got so much money and he's a foreigner no one really knows where he came from what he does that type of thing um and what what's great about it is it does kind of it it doesn't give you any of that information it really draws it out within that you know it's only 14 15 minutes long but it does its best to to really keep a lot of that hidden until like just at the end and it kind of gives you gives you that good payoff
0: Cool. And you kind of figure out who he is. What was the name of that again? Catch a monster. Catch a monster. Okay. The problem is, uh, I don't know how readily available any of these shorts will be in the future. <laughs> yeah. Really. That's the uh, that's always the unfortunate thing about short films is you really have no idea. Like, hopefully, they'll be up on Vimeo at some point. It's either it's either that they either show
1: up on Vimeo or at some point in time this guy makes it. And when one of his DVDs comes out, he'll be like, Oh yeah! <laughs> Here's one of his first
0: shorts." Yeah, yeah. Or, or they'll he'll remake it into a feature because yeah, that, or not. Uh, which I guess I can segue into a movie I saw called Fear Inc., which was actually adapted into a feature from a short oh, film. Oh,
1: you? You're segues are on point today bro. yeah i'm
0: i'm like looking at my list here and i'm kind of grouping them up in my head so that there's at least some sort of order to know oh, shit he's mapping them out, Watch <laughs> so, out. <laughs> so this is uh directed by vincent Masquial. uh it's it was another one of the midnight movies so it's a it's a kind of a horror comedy about this um there's this company that sells custom scares so if you want to be scared if, if you're looking if the if the the haunted houses in your area are not doing it for you around halloween time and you want to get truly terrified you call up this number and hire this company and they will give you this kind of custom-made scare uh if it sounds a lot like the game it is it's exactly like the game in fact it's so much like the game that they even reference it in the movie they say like oh this is exactly like the game david fincher's movie <laughs> and they oh kind of make a joke about it. It's it's all done in a very tongue-in-cheek way. Like the the film it definitely straddles the line between horror and comedy. Like it's not overly goofy or anything. It's not it's not a spoof by yeah. any stretch, but it definitely gets into kind of parody territory. Uh even as far as how the movie itself is structured. Like the the opening sequence is is it features Abigail Breslin who it plays a character that takes part in this fear ink thing, and she she gets killed or supposedly gets killed in the opening scene. So it's it's very much like a scream type opening. And the thing is the, the main character is he's kind of obsessed with horror movies. So the the custom scares that were developed for him all involve horror movies. So you have like references to Friday the Thirteenth and The Shining and Saw and all these other movies, but like the game, you never really know if what's happening is real or not. And the kind of interesting thing is because he's a huge horror guy, he believes through the through almost the whole movie that this is all fake. And he doesn't believe any of it. And then until something really terrible happens, and then he's like, Okay, this is real. There's something going on here. Um, it's pretty good. I had I had fun with it. I mean, it's definitely flawed. Like the game, there's some kind of leaps of faith you have to take with the movie because you have to kind of, you know, if it didn't go just this right way, something terrible would have happened and the whole thing would have fallen apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially in this one, because in this one people are getting murdered and stuff. So it's, it's like they really need him to go to like specific places at a specific time, if this is going to work. So it all just kind of falls into place almost perfectly. Um, so if you can get if you can get past that, it's kind of a f- a fun watch, I would say. Uh, there's like four false endings though, and that had me frustrated by the end. And I know that they did it on purpose. They they were deliberately doing that, but yeah, it got old because yeah, it just even, wouldn't end. <laughs>
1: even when you're even when you're doing it on purpose and making fun of it, it still doesn't. It just doesn't really work in any way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. My, I don't think I've ever seen it work.
0: You know, like, one false ending is sometimes okay, depending on what it is, but, man, when you when you have that many, just, uh, yeah, nope. End the thing. Um, since I already talked about several of the other Midnight movies, I'll talk about another one called Rebirth. This is directed by Carl Mueller. This is with, uh, Fran Kranz and Adam Goldberg. Uh, this is, it's a lot like Fear, Inc., actually, where... Frank Kranz is kind of living this life of this this kind of mediocre life where he's just doing the same thing day in day out. You know, he's got the office job, he's got the wife and kid, and he's just kind of feeling bored. He's just bored with life. And Adam Goldberg shows up, was a college buddy of his, and says like, "I'm going to this retreat this weekend. You got to come. It's going to change your life. It's called Rebirth." And he ends up deciding to go, and it's this kind of mystery thing where He shows up to this hotel, and there's like all this kind of weird stuff that's going on. And eventually, he follows the clues and ends up getting on this bus and getting blindfolded. And he's not sure if it's like a cult thing or if it's even real. What's happening? Yeah. And it basically turns into the same kind of situation as Fear Inc., where you don't know if what's happening is real or part of this rebirth process, and you don't know if it's like a cult or some sort of uh, like therapeutic self-help retreat thing so you you're never really sure what it is uh this one i didn't really i mean it was okay it wasn't great but um yeah it had its moments I, I wasn't i wasn't really that into it though uh big fan of adam goldberg though he yeah. did, he did a pretty great job in this
1: so this is one of the um Netflix movies.
0: Yes, that is correct. So, this will be available on Netflix. I don't know when. There probably is a release date for this, but I'm not sure when. But yeah, Netflix is going to be putting this out. I'd say it's a, probably a light recommend.
1: A little fun one, maybe.
0: Yeah. Um, King Cobra was another one that I saw. It was a midnight movie. This is uh, directed by Justin Kelly. This stars Christian Slater and James Franco. And it's tells the true story of this, um, this gay porn actor who kind of got caught in between a feud between two rival production companies. So he starts off in the business with Christian Slater. Christian Slater hires him to do videos for his website. He blows up. and gets huge. Uh, he's making Christian Slater money hand over fist. But he's only getting a very small amount he gets pissed, and he's like, okay, I can make so much more money if I, if I try to leave, but he's under contract with Christian Slater. He tries to go to Franco's company, and a, sort of a feud breaks out, leading to a violent conclusion. Um, eh. This one's a little eh for me. Really
1: Interestingly, James Franco, Molly Ringwald, yeah, Molly Silverstone,
0: yep, yeah, yep. Christian Mo- Slater? Yep. Whew. Yeah, good cast. Great, great cast. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, it was okay. It was just one of these kind of interesting true crime style, um, one of these interesting true crime style movies that was, I don't know. I don't really have anything, I don't really have anything (laughs) to say about it, honestly. It It was okay. It was fine. Uh, it didn't, it was interesting. It was entertaining, but it didn't wow me in any way. Yeah. I mean, you see Franco. Make out and have sex with uh, a dude in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's that. If you're big Franco person, uh, he actually turned out a really great performance. He had he had two kind of key what? scenes that were really good. I'll say, I'll say James, that. James Franco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. He was. quite good. Wow. Quite good. He's uh, maybe he's
1: trying to figure it
0: out. Yeah. Um. Sticking with the true crime style, I saw a movie called a kind of murder this uh it's not i believe it's a fictional story, but it, it's about a true crime writer of sorts um takes place in the sixties in New York early sixties, so it still kind of has that almost fifties vibe to it uh This is directed by Andy Goddard and stars Patrick Wilson and Jessica Beale and uh, Eddie Marens in there basically oh, wow. it's about uh Patrick Wilson plays this architect slash true crime writer, which is ridiculous right out of the gate. (laughs) It's like this movie is so messy. It just has no idea what it wants to be. I'm probably not going to write a review for this one, but um, so he's, uh, he's unhappy in his marriage. His wife appears to be mentally ill. She's like very depressed. She lashes out at him. She's insanely jealous. And he through his writing discovers that um, this man's wife, the man's played by Eddie Mars, and he's a book sh- bookstore owner. His wife was murdered and the police had no clues as to who the killer was. But Patrick Wilson being the true crime novelist that he is uh, knows that it was him. He knows Eddie Marsden did it. And so he kind of hatches this plan possibly he starts thinking about hatching this plan to sort of to murder his wife in the same way to make it look like the same killer struck again or, you know, a copycat yeah. occurred. Uh, but things go horribly wrong. One thing that I'll say is there's this great it's it's sort of a cat and mouse noir story almost. Um, there's this great chase scene towards the end between Patrick Wilson and Eddie Marsan that was lifted i mean it looks like it was lifted directly from uh third man but it was it was done really well the lighting in this movie is really good but other than that it's it's kind of it is kind of messy like you there's just too much going on in here none of it was very concise like i don't really know what the message was with this This, movie
1: this is this is also uh patricia highsmith novel okay So it's adaptation, so the same woman that wrote Carol kind of murder.
0: Yeah, very stylized. Uh, A lot of it was done with, like, kind of green screen and a lot of, like, After Mm. Effects added type stuff, but it still looks good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, You want want to add something? Uh, I had
1: another short documentary that I watched, and this was another one that I kind of thought, man, you could make this a full length. And that's starring Austin Pendleton. I don't know if you know who Austin Pendleton is, but he is sounds
0: familiar, but no, I don't think
1: he's a a character actor. He's been in like hundreds, like a hundred and what's IMDb say here? One hundred and thirty-five credits. So he's been in a little bit of everything. He was in The Mend last year. uh, Finding Nemo beautiful mind oh
0: yeah he was in uh yes i know exactly he was oh man what, he's, what are kind that of, like? he's kind of in
1: everything yeah he's
0: almost. been in, he's been in everything forever too like he's uh my cousin benny yeah he was like in short lawyer. circuit yeah uh
1: i mean tons of stuff h22 the whole way back to like 1968 i mean he's been in a little bit of everything so it's just kind of about him and you know what he's done in the past and what he's doing now uh they have interviews with a lot of people that he's worked with like Meryl Streep uh Philip Seymour Hoffman because Philip Seymour Hoffman actually that's how he got his start was through Austin Pendleton Hmm. yeah he like auditioned for Austin Pendleton and that's how he kind of got his start um and it has some like old footage of them two working together like early early days you know and uh Again, it's one of those things that uh, execution-wise, it's pretty, it's nothing spectacular. It's pretty straightforward, you know, clips of old movies, sitting, talking head, interview type thing, and then just some footage of him, you know, he's doing workshops or whatever it might be, that type of thing. So it's nothing really spectacular in that sense, but it's just, again, it's just the subject matter is interesting enough that it's like, I I would like to see a whole documentary about him.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think Oz is the one thing that, because there was a role that he had that sticks, that's sticking out in my mind where he was, he played like a mentally ill person. And I'm pretty sure it was Oz.
1: Well, and the great thing is they because they show little clips of him in like a ton of movies that he's been in. Right. And honestly, like every single little clip, I was like, God damn, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> Like damn, that movie looks good too. Because the the thing is, is when he was little, he had like a terrible, terrible stutter. Like he couldn't talk, and he still stutters, and he has difficulty with it. And they kind of show some scenes where he like he'll kind of like work it in, or if he can't say the word, he'll just change it to something else. Um, so the thing that stuck out for him was kind of made him. It's kind of a joke in the short documentary is that uh, my cousin Vinny. He was doing it for a friend. He's playing this role, and this role is him being—if you remember—my cousin Vinny. He plays a lawyer that has a terrible, terrible stutter. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "This is what I'm going to be remembered for (laughs) now—the thing that I've been trying to get away from."
0: Yeah, that—that looks interesting. I'm gonna have to seek that one out. Definitely.
1: Plus, I gotta watch like a shit ton of Austin Pendleton movies.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um. I saw Always Shine. This is I was the... wondering
1: if you are going to catch this one.
0: Yeah, uh, I made sure I made a point to to have this on my list. This is directed by Sophia Takao. Um, now, now, quick question. Yeah. Do you, because if I was her,
1: I would pronounce my last name like Method Man saying Takao. Uh, yes, that's how I would do it. And I really hope that that's what she does. I hope so. I
0: sincerely hope so. Because that's a missed
1: opportunity if you're not.
0: So she directed this, her her husband Lawrence Michael Levine wrote it. He's in it. Uh she she's not. She's solely behind the camera on this one. However, the the film is kind of based around experiences that she had in real life as as an actress, coming up as an actress. Uh if you saw Queen of Earth, um there's some solid comparisons that could be made between those two movies. I would argue that this actually does it better. I liked this quite a quite a bit more than Queen of Earth, um, but it's sort of a psychological thriller, a, a very De Palma-esque psychological thriller uh, about these two friends who are actresses who go to this remote cabin for a weekend. And as they, as you quickly learn, there's, there's some jealousies and some kind of emotional breakdowns that occur and things that... Things basically just kind of continue to escalate until something terrible may or may not happen <laughs> well it's like i said it's psycho it's a very psychological film so uh there's there's things that happen inside other people's heads, so Uh-oh. you know there's there's some uh some surreal su- surreal surrealism being used here Uh-oh. uh I think that you will like this one, Kevin, for sure. Um- I'm pretty excited for this one. It stars Mackenzie That's Davis sad. and Caitlin Fitzgerald. They both do a fantastic job. A uh, very small cast in this one. I mean, L- Lawrence Michael Levine plays sort of uh, a love interest, and he does a great job. He's just not in it a whole lot. Um, and it's uh, it's very tense. It's one of these deals where it's a, it's a very slow movie. It's very uh, methodical in in its escalation of the tension, but. Eventually, you know things things do begin to boil to a head, and it's uh, uh, I liked it a lot. It was, just, was was probably one of my favorites of the festival for sure. So I would say when Always Shine comes out, definitely that's absolutely going to be worth a look. And you know it's all kind of about jealousies, and there there's some really great, uh, really great shots in this. Uh, the uh, who do, uh Zach. Uh what's his name? Zach Ward? Mm-hmm. The guy that did uh White Reindeer? Oh, uh, Zach Clark. Zach Clark, yeah, sorry. Zach Clark edited this movie. So it's got some really, really interesting shots and uh there's this great argument between the two characters when things are almost at a boiling point and It's just, it's a long, it's a single take shot of them and it just goes back and forth. The camera just pans back and forth between the two of them arguing. And it was just such, such a great, um, such a great scene. Probably one of the most powerful scenes in the movie, but yeah, always shine. I would highly recommend checking that one out.
1: I'm happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, there were, there were a number of movies at this year's festival that kind of blurred the lines between fiction and reality. Um, I mean, Always Shine is certainly just—it's a, a straight-up fictional movie, but it was drawn from you know real experiences and real emotion that the director had in real life. Yeah. Um, one movie that <laughs> blurs the lines to an unbelievable level is Actor Martinez. Uh, see, this is this movie and Always Shine. When you when
1: I saw that you saw this, I've never been so jealous in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is directed by Nathan Silver and Mike Ott um now nathan silver we've talked about numerous times on the show uh, he did uh, what i said indeed yeah he did on certain terms and um what was the one, the other one that i did not see <laughs> uh stinking heaven stinking heaven yeah which is incredible yes i i i do plan on seeing that as soon as possible so actor martinez is this is uh i don't even know how to describe this movie Good. I would That's say, I like to hear. <laughs> I would say it is worth l- seeing. It's a comedy about a a guy who is he's a computer technician. He's like an on-site computer technician, and he has an affinity for acting. And he he kind of hosts this acting group in his town. Uh, I believe it's in Denver, and he decides to hire two independent filmmakers to make a movie about his life. So he hires Nathan Silver and Mike Ott. Now, the character, Arthur Martinez, is played by Arthur Martinez, of the real-life guy. Nathan Silver and Mike Ott are Nathan Silver and Mike Ott. So you can see already where the lines between reality and fiction are starting to get blurred right from the beginning. So... They start off by just kind of filming him in his day-to-day life, introducing him and what he does and all this stuff. And then they're like, okay, well, let's, let's start to spice things up a bit. Let's start introducing more characters in here. So they have a, a, basically an audition for his girlfriend. And what they want to do is they want to have somebody that sort of reminds him of his ex-wife. So they cast somebody who they think reminds him of his ex-wife, but then they have to get rid of her because she reminds him of his (laughs) ex-wife. And then they, so they're like, okay, let's bring in somebody to be a new girlfriend. So they hire, or they cast Lindsay Burge, the actress Lindsay Burge from, uh, you probably know her from a teacher. Um, And she plays herself and they cast her to play the role of Lindsay. So it's Lindsay Burge playing, Lindsay Burge being the character of Lindsay and basically <laughs> I don't want to get it I don't want to get any more into it than I already have but it's just layer upon layer upon layer and they'll do like takes they'll do and but you never know all the way up until the end you have no idea what about this movie is real and what, what about it is not so it's this amazing blend of like documentary and in this kind of like docudrama, but then straight up drama. And it's just this crazy made mind fuck that's happening. And it's just, it's great. It's freaking fantastic. And it's got a, a great, uh, the end is awesome too. And you'll, you'll, you'll be a big fan of it, Kevin. I know that. for I can't, fact. I
1: can't wait for this one.
0: Yeah. Um, can't speak highly enough of that one too. That's probably top too like I think it'd be like Kicks, Actor Martinez, and then the next one that I'll touch on, which is Love True, which is um this is a documentary by uh, Alma Harel, who is the she's the same director that did um Bombay Beach, which was I was a big fan of. Oh, okay, so like Bombay Beach, this is another movie that kind of blends fiction with uh with actual documentary footage, so. If you saw Bombay Beach, one of the interesting things about that movie is that she had her subjects do kind of um, like theatrical interpretations of different things. Like she would have them do dance numbers and stuff like that and have them do performance pieces, essentially. Well, in Love True, it's sort of the same. She does sort of the same thing. Yeah. Um, Instead of having the film be centered around a location. This one is actually kind of centered around a theme, which is love. And she follows the lives of three different people. One, one person is in New York city. One is in Hawaii and one is in Alaska. So three very, very different locations, but all three of them are, are kind of beautiful in their own way. I mean, the, the, some of the landscapes that she gets is just incredible. Just beautiful, beautiful film. Um, and what she does in this one is she actually kind of has them acting out their internal emotions. So, for instance, um, the one character from Hawaii, uh, when when the film started off, he was with his high school sweetheart. They had a child together. They're very much in love. But then he finds out that she was cheating on him with his best friend and that the son that he thought was his was not actually his biological son. Mm. So one of the things that she does is, because he talks about, you know, how he feels about his friend that betrayed him. So she kind of has, does this reenactment where uh, she's, he's, he's underwater, like in the ocean, like kind of fighting this person who's portraying his, his enemy. And it's just amazingly done. I mean, it sounds like something that would be really hard to make it work and make it not kind of silly, but... She does a, a really fantastic job. And the, the character that's from Alaska, she's actually a stripper. And she's she's young. I think she's in her early 20s. And she's just deathly afraid of being stuck in this town, being a dancer for the rest of her life. And one of the things that uh, the director does that's interesting is she actually hires the uh, this older woman who's 50, who who is a coworker of this girl to play her her mom in the movie? So or not not her mom, sorry, her future self. Okay. So she's kind of like confronting a possible future for, for herself, and it's just a really really uh, interesting film. If you liked Bombay Beach, you'll you'll definitely like this one again. It's called Love True. Great soundtrack from Flying Lotus as well. Kind of nice. it's kind of like um uh, like ambient almost haunting soundtrack that's throughout um but yeah highly highly recommend that one uh did you have any other tribeca ones no that's all i had okay uh i have a couple other ones here that i can try to bang out pretty quickly i saw a lot of uh, fairly generic documentaries so i can kind <laughs> of just group these all together uh shadow world was uh it's a documentary about the kind of the arms trade sort of. Uh, so it deals with gun running and stuff like that, but the legal methods of doing that. So it, it kind of looks at uh, how governments deal with arms trades, like how we sell weapons to different countries and how we buy weapons from different countries. And and they um, interview actual arms traders and kind of get into the nitty gritty of how all that works and the money that's made and the, power struggles and all of that stuff. It sounds like it'd be really interesting, but it's not. It's incredibly boring. Uh and it really like it just throws you in. Like the movie starts in World War One for some reason. And it's just it just bombards you with facts and figures and things. And it's just not it's mm-hmm. I didn't find it that interesting at all. I found it to be quite boring. The Banksy job. This is a documentary about this this guy named AK forty seven who yeah. proclaims himself as an art terrorist and what he does is he hatches this plan to steal a Banksy piece. Uh Banksy made this giant sculpture that was uh a replica of the Thinker and he like put a road cone on its head. And this guy decided that he's going to steal this Banksy piece. So he steals it and holds it for ransom and it's just, you know, it's kind of an interesting story, but the whole Banksy thing, I'm just kind of over with. Like I'm just kind of done with the Banksy stuff because even with Banksy, you never know what's real and what's not. Like there's interviews with someone who may or may not be Banksy in this movie, but at this point it's like I don't I don't even care about this. The, the guy was not interesting. Like he was he was interesting, but he just wasn't that likable. So I didn't care about his quest to piss off Banksy like I didn't care yeah uh, I didn't really care about his heist or anything like that and quite frankly I didn't even know what if what I was watching was even real or not because yeah. you know, that's just the nature of all of this Banksy stuff yeah. you get
1: that Banksy in there never know what's going on
0: yeah exactly uh, Magnus was a pretty straightforward documentary about this uh, chess prodigy from uh, Norway, I believe. Uh, very, it was interesting. Even though I'm not a big chess guy, but this kid is like unbelievable. He's amazing at chess, and he's he's now the highest ranked chess player of all time. No, no one ha- is ranked higher than him, or has ever been ranked higher than him. So he is the best chess player in the entire world in history. Whoa, Whoa. yeah. He became he became a grandmaster at 13, I believe. Jeez, yeah. He's just ridiculous. It's it's a movie worth watching just to be amazed at what this guy, what this kid can do on a chessboard. It's incredible. Um, let's see, Untouchable is a movie about this um, lobbyist in Florida who, uh, basically, his daughter was sexually abused as a child, and he kind of made it his life's work to create some of the strictest sex offender laws in the country. Um, And it basically just kind of, it tells things from his perspective, but they also kind of go at it from the other angle as well. And in the end, it kind of makes him look like a complete asshole, like an inhuman asshole uh, because of these laws that he's trying to get passed and things like that, that give people that are on the registry like no no rights whatsoever and you know at the onset you might say well they don't deserve any rights but um as you watch the documentary you kind of understand like this is this is a real gray area that we're getting into here with this stuff and yeah. you know it needs a, a broader conversation than just you know str- strip them of everything including their homes like a lot of these people are forced to live on the streets because they can't live they they need to live in an underpass because they can't be within you know 2 2000 feet of a school or a church or, or where any children are which basically limits them to like a ho- a highway overpass you know yeah but uh it's kind of an interesting story this one um this one I don't think we'll be reviewing because uh my girlfriend actually has she actually knows uh several of the people in this documentary so little bit of a conflict of interest with that one uh bugs that's just this documentary about these two these two guys in norway who are trying to learn more about edible insects and learn about how like food sustainability works as far as like integrating insects into that because like in the future you know the world's population is going to be over 9 billion and we're going to need to increase food production and uh, a lot of companies and things are looking into using insects as like sustainable sources of protein. Uh, It's not very, I mean, it's, it's well shot. Sure. But it's not that interesting. There's a lot of really gross bug eating in it though. So if you want to see people eat giant grubs and larva and shit, then Uh, Uh. maybe, maybe check it out. Uh, the only other one that I will mention that I forgot when I was kind of talking about the comedies was uh, Don't Think Twice, which is Mike, Mike Birbiglia's latest. Oh, okay. Uh, it's about an improv group. So one of the members of the inc- improv group becomes big, like they get their big break and they end up on a show called Weekend Live, which is basically SNL. And it's just how the rest of the group reacts to this and kind of the, the little bit of resentment that they have towards him kind of going off and doing bigger and better things. And Mike Brabiglia plays the main character and he's kind of, not only is he jealous of this person, but he, he actually trained this person cause he, he's an improv teacher as well. That's what he does for money. And So he feels like really bad and he's getting older too. So he's sort of having this like midlife crisis where he's realizing like, you know, is this, is this as far as I can take this career, you know, with this improv group. Also the theater that they perform at is closing. so that's like an added stress that he's dealing with. Uh, it's pretty good. It's with, uh, Mike Birbiglia is in it. Uh, Gillian Jacobs, Keegan, Michael Key, um, and, uh, several other, people are in this one as well and it's it's pretty funny wasn't it didn't like blow me away i wasn't laughing hysterically or anything uh because i find i find uh improv to be awkward awkward and not in a good way like just i I can't take improv seriously i just don't i don't like it like i don't like the warm-up routines that they do and i just don't like the whole yes and thing with improv just not a big improv fan in general
1: you don't like everything about
0: it no no <laughs> but uh the mo- the movie itself was was quite good i'm sure that this was i'm sure that Mike Riglia made this uh very much autobiographical like he does like he did with Sleepwalk with Me and like that he what he does with his you know stand up stuff and he was really funny and everybody was really funny yeah but you know it's it's a solid comedy and i would i would recommend it but i thought that um Oh, I didn't mention Dean. I'm sorry. Another comedy I saw was Dean, Dimitri Martin's uh directorial debut. I thought that Dean was much funnier than than um don't think twice. Dean, if you if you're a fan of Dimitri Martin and his style of comedy, then you will definitely like Dean. There's lots of drawings and kind of deadpan humor in it, and he's just a funny dude and he's really funny in this movie. It it's uh, it's sort of a romantic comedy. You no, know, I would actually, I would actually compare it to Garden State. It's sort of like that, where he um he loses his mother and he's just kind of trying to deal with it. He has a book that's due and he's sort of having writer's block because he's distracted with trying to get over the death of his mother. And his father, who's played by Kevin Klein, is trying to sell his childhood home, and so he's upset about that. And he ends up taking a trip to L.A. He meets Gillian Jacobs, who's, she was in the other movie too. She's, she's on a tear lately. He kind of falls for her, um, but there's a series of comedic events that take place, and I would definitely recommend seeing this one when it comes out as well, because it's uh, quite funny. Had me chuckling, chuckling aplenty. Chuckling all over town, I was man. chuckling everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> So that's kind of my uh Tribeca in in a nutshell. There's a couple other things that I saw here and there that I don't need to get into detail on, but uh overall, good, definitely a good festival. It started off a little rocky. I was a little concerned, but with movies like Actor Martinez and Kicks and Love True was like that definitely redeemed it for me. So, another solid year at Tribeca. Now, I think you had at least one other one that's not Tribeca related that you saw, right? Sure. I definitely have one. I hey, I watched Crimson Peak. Oh nice. Did you
1: know that? Did you know I did that this no, week? I didn't, but tell me about it. Surprises. Surprises everywhere. I watched the Crimson Peak. Alright? Now, first off, Rocky start to this damn movie. Real Rocky. I mean, just ugh. Out the gate, the first couple of minutes, I'm just like, "Mm, no, this isn't going to work. Because I'm not a big del Toro guy to begin with. I mean, I like to watch his movies. Number one, he's actually creative. So that's a nice change of pace, watching, you know, big budget movie that actually has creativity in it and imagination. Um, And and a lot of the, the stuff that's born out of that, you know, production design, costume design, that type of stuff, he does really, really well. I mean, the people that he gets to to have make this stuff come alive—it's just—it's impressive. Um, but Crimson of Peaks starts off a bit rocky. You got some, got that horrible voiceover right off the bat. So boom, got one strike against you because yeah. I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah, stop it. There's no need for it because you know how to make movies now. You know what I mean? You're not like 14. Stop with the voiceover. And then he's got the the, the references like he's pointing out like she's trying to be a writer which doesn't really matter in this movie at all neither do the ghosts which i kind of found out like three-fourths of the way through a movie i'm like oh these ghosts
0: kind of serve no purpose yeah whatsoever. They're, they're not they're not what you think they are for sure
1: <laughs> no it's like really and even what they do you're like i like why why did you force ghosts in here but they looked good i did like the look of them creep me out a little bit. Yeah,
0: they're really um, creepy.
1: Um, but you have, like, a, you know, they're making jokes that she's trying to be Jane Austen. And she's like, no, I want to be Mary Shelley. And, it's, you know, the ghosts are a metaphor in her book. And you're like, oh, shit, the ghosts in this movie are probably a metaphor, too. Damn, that's cute. Like, all that stuff was awful. But once it kind of got past that and settled into, you know, when Hiddleston shows up and it, it, the story actually kind of gets going. Um I have to say I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the visuals were great. Uh, that mansion is ridiculous. I know. Like, <laughs> just I just wanted to
0: pause like every like every minute just to.
1: Just to scope it out,
0: I just wanted... there's so much going on, man, there's I, so much I know I just wanted an entire movie of her just exploring that mansion <laughs> exactly like, like I just, just the, like looking like looking in the drawers, like it doesn't even have anything to do with the plot, just her looking through the drawers, finding interesting things what it
1: what it should be there should be a sequel to Crimson Peak, okay, and all it is is they list the house, they listed it they're selling they're selling the place, okay. <laughs> And all it is is them going through and like taking an inventory of things and packing stuff up. And I would watch that. Because there's just there's so much attention to detail. And I don't know if that's like part of the problem, maybe, is that he kind of gets sidetracked. Yeah. Well, the, could be. Could be. <laughs> putting everything. But I was also kind of surprised with the violence in this. Um the first thing was the the butterfly getting devoured. That was that was kind of creepy. It freaked me out. Cause it's just like extreme close up of an ant devouring a butterfly's yeah. eye. Just like shit. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, dude getting his face caved in. That like, yeah, that was intense. That caught me off guard. Um, there's a person that gets like a a small dagger file type thing through his cheek, which was again that kind of caught me off guard. And the most surprising aspect of that was, you know, obviously getting stabbed in the cheek. That's a bit rough but then he he tries to take it out yeah and they just keep the camera on. and he doesn't just pull it out right away it takes a while because it's kind of stuck in there probably got jammed up on some some cartilage or some some tendons or something mm-hmm. and they just keep it there and whew, boy. yeah so there's black moths everywhere that was i mean it's just there's a lot going on that i really enjoy but then you also have charlie hunum in there
0: just <laughs> just He's not in a
1: whole lot though. No, he's not. But when he's there, you know he's fucking there. Cause man, does he stick out? He tries so hard. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, suited like,
0: for uh, a period piece. Like I think that that's <laughs> one thing to take away from this. I just but after a while, you like you're kinda cheering for him. You're just rooting for him.
1: Yeah. It's like you'll get it. I mean, I think he was better in it than he was in Pacific Rim. getting that.
0: I don't even, I don't really remember his performance in Pacific Rim, so. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's
1: a rough one. And uh, I only had one other one, if you want to hear about Tale Tales.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I was going to try to squeeze this one in this weekend, and I didn't get a chance. It might. I, I would, this is what I'll say. I won't talk about it too much, because we can maybe talk about it
1: next weekend. Because there's some stuff in here that we definitely need to discuss. Because you got fleas. There's a flea in this movie. I, I
0: saw the the giant one cuz I saw mm-hmm. I saw like a still of that mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is that?" Yeah, that's a flea. Yeah. that's a
1: flea, buddy. Yeah, it's so fucking gross. It's so gross. Uh there's a sea monster. John C. Riley fights a sea monster. And it's not a CGI sea monster. They they build it. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool looking. Um there's so many things. It's uh, it's like a collection of uh fairy tales old Italian fairy tales. Um, a lot of these are actually the original fairy tales that were later um, reworked by the Brothers Grimm. Okay. They kind of they fell into obscurity and the Brothers Grimm kind of tweaked them a little bit and changed them up. Um, yeah, but they that, that was, they... was going to be one of my questions is, are these real fairy tales? See, I wasn't sure because I was like, man, these are really freaking weird. And I was kind of, a, I was like, as I'm watching, I'm like, this is great. He's m- like making new fairy tales and they're just bizarre. I mean, it's a bit long. He draws them out a bit too much, but overall it's pretty good. Cause you know, there's, there's imagination, there's creativity going on. The, the visuals look great. It's bizarre because it's kind of like, he uh, kind of reworks a couple of them into like three separate stories. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, you're switching between the three throughout the film. Um, but yeah, then I come to find out that they're actually old fairy tales, which huh. makes sense because back in the day, they were in, really into some weird shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, I'll try to... I, actually, I'll probably watch that when we're done recording. Um, let's let's uh, use the, the fairy tale, Tale of Tales, to segue into our predictions with okay. Huntsman Winter's War. How's that? All right. Little, little fairy tale to fairy tale action. Oh boy! Sort of. All right. You said forty-four. I said fifty-two. Actual seventeen. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Next week, Ratchet and Clank. What the fuck? A little late on the game with this one, huh? Like no, the the, the, this... the first. Yeah.
2: If yeah, I remember man.
0: if I remember correctly, the first Ratchet and Clank game came out fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and they're just getting around to the movie now. Uh, I mean, I hope it's good. I did play the new game all the way through, and it's fantastic. It looks gorgeous, and I gotta say, it's one of the best PlayStation Four games I've played. So, if it's anything like the game, which I believe the some of the cutscenes, like the pre-rendered cutscenes that are in the game, I think that they are directly from the movie. Okay. So the the new game is it's a game based on the movie, based on the game. And they make sure to point that out several times in in the game because it, it's kind of a cheeky game. It's it's doesn't take itself too too seriously. So they they do break the fourth wall and stuff like that, and it just kind of adds to the the humor. But I hope the movie's good. So for Ratchet and Clank, I'm gonna say eighty two. Okay,
1: yeah, I'm gonna say seventy eight.
0: Okay, yeah, I think I think it's probably gonna be closer to to your score on that one. But either way, I'll probably. Go check it out, because I like Ratchet & Clank. I like the series, and I'm hoping that the movie's going to be good. Keanu comes out. This is the Key Peel movie. movie. Uh, I don't know what to say about this one. There, there were some, in the trailer, some of the jokes made me laugh, and some of them yeah. didn't really land for me. So I don't, I don't know what to say about this one. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure what to think on this one. All right. My, uh, I, uh, my
0: guess is I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like a seventy. Seventy. Okay. Seventy. I'll say sixty-seven on that one. I mean, I hope. I hope it's good, but I, I don't know what to think. Um, I think Mother's Day is getting. I think that's one that's getting a wide release. I don't know too much about it, other than it appears to be a romantic comedy. I think Jason Sudeikis is in it. Um, but yeah, that's really all I know. Oh, we got Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston and Kate Hudson and Julia Roberts. Yeah. Uh, Gary Marshall okay. directed it. Pretty Woman, Valentine's Day. Mm. So, mm. Uh, <laughs> mm. yeah, uh, I'll say 48 on that one. I'm going to go
1: 42.
0: All right. Uh, limited release next week. We have the Man Who Knew Infinity. Uh, that's the one with uh, Dev Patel, I believe. We have Term Life. Uh, that's the that one with Vince Vaughn and Haley Steinfeld. It looks pretty bad. And Vince Vaughn has a really ridiculous haircut. It does. In that one.
1: That is a really weird poster.
0: Yeah, does not look good. Does not looks look like
1: good. Haley Steinfeld in a different movie. <laughs> it's just
0: <laughs> they they photoshopped that from a, from another movie that she's in.
1: John Favreau in it too.
0: Yeah, well, you know why? Because it's directed by Peter Billingsley. There's a lot of people in this, and they're they're like Favreau and Vaughn are like big. They're like best friends with Peter Billingsley.
1: Got John Banks, Terrence Howard, Bill Paxton, Mike Epps, Shane Williams.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. It it that, the Harriet Henson? The the poster's terrible. The trailer's bad, and it's not getting much marketing behind it at all. So my I guess really, is it's going to be not great.
1: I hope Vince Vaughn is going to Nick Cage. That'd be
0: awesome. <laughs> uh I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on that just I, yet. I hope. I hope he's just dipping his feet in. Just just testing the waters. <laughs> yeah, Test just, testing the Nick Cage waters. He's
1: gotta got You gotta have a backup plan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also limited release, we have the Family Fang. That's the new Jason Bateman directed film with Nicole, with him and Nicole Kidman. I'm interested in that. Looks quirky. Quirky, yeah, could be good. Uh, Viva! We have a beautiful planet. We have Papa Hemingway in Cuba, which is the worst title ever, and I hate it for some reason. I just hate it because until yesterday, I thought it was Papa Hemingway in Cuba. And I'm like, why is it Papa Hemingway? Why don't they just call it Hemingway in Cuba? But then I realized yesterday that it's Papa colon Hemingway in Cuba.
1: Why? Well,
0: hmm? I'm with you.
1: I'm with you now. Because I just thought it was Papa Hemingway in Cuba. It's not.
0: It's Papa Hemingway in Cuba.
1: That's I don't like that title either.
0: I just, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, Victoria. We have The Weight. We have Older Than Ireland. Not familiar with most of these. One called Sacrifice, Third Street Blackout, and that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. VOD next week. Uh, let's see what we have. High Rise. wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Yes, next week. Yes, we do have High Rise next week. So that's that's the biggie. Nice. Yep. Blu-ray. This, these are for Tuesday, April twenty-sixth. See, I'm gonna start saying the date. Before that way. I, that, way, that way I know That I'm not saying the wrong date uh, Yeah Krampus, I want to see that uh, I missed it when it was in theaters But I want to check that one out Ride Along 2 Probably will not be seeing that one Jane Got a Gun, also Probably not going to be seeing that one Sorcerer, which I thought That already had a re-release The, the William Friedkin Film from 1977
1: yeah, I thought it did
0: too. I was pretty sure that that had a re-release like a year ago. Maybe this is some sort of special edition or something. Um, the Last Man on the Moon, which is a documentary that I saw a while back, not. I wouldn't say that's worth buying. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty much all I all I have here. Uh, one, there is one. Where is it? There's one that I saw. Oh, yeah, here it is. Arrow Film is releasing one from 1986 called The Zero Boys, and Ooh. I'm definitely interested in this one. It's about, a, it's about a paintball team who go off to the woods and then get hunted by these, like, killers, and they have to use their paintball skills to survive. <laughs> their
1: paintball skills. Yep. That sounds ridiculous yeah. but also wonderful.
0: I know. I'm, I'm going to try to check that one out if I can. Uh, What do we have on the criterion front? We got, this is a big week, right? We're we're packed. We got three coming out. Whoa! Whoa! I mean,
1: that's just usually you have one, sometimes you have none. Now we're getting three, okay? And we're all over the place here. Number one is the Kennedy films of Robert Drew and Associates.
0: Mm, Hmm. Sounds like a rip-roaring good time.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that one action-packed. Maybe, I guess historically speaking, it could be interesting. Um, Phoenix from 2014, mm-hmm. which uh, wasn't that big on. I mean, Nina Haas is unbelievable in
0: it. I wasn't that big on it either. We we reviewed that on the show, actually. You can go back yeah. and listen to that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, Nina Haas is... And that
0: ending. The ending's
1: pretty good. The ending's good, it's yeah. A, it, gives you, it gives you a jab, yep. a jab in the gut, but Yeah. You have to sit through a lot before that. Um, and then 1945's brief encounter from David Lean coming out on the coming out on the Blu-ray.
0: Cool. Yeah. I forgot to mention that 1973's Dillinger is also coming out on Arrow, and Dolomite is getting a Blu-ray release. Now, if you have not seen 1975's Dolomite I need to see starring that. Rudy Ray Moore, I would highly recommend checking that out. Dolomite's my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game (laughs) Uh, you just sold it yep Dolomite's amazing I loved it Uh, alright I think that that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in again Uh, if you want to check out any of our coverage on Tribeca just head over to the site we got tons of reviews up and, and other coverage Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. We appreciate that so very much for Kevin Rakestraw. My name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.